0: Welcome to Your Next Chapter. Regardless where you stand or sit, the time to start creating a life you want is now. For some of you, that will start with a 1% shift, for others, it may mean a complete overhaul. Whether you want to start a business, a new career, or take your romantic relationship to the next level, Your Next Chapter is the podcast that provides millennials, the coaches, experts, and entrepreneurs to build the life you want. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If this is your first episode, well, welcome. My guest today has a rather interesting story. She was living in rural Ontario, had a house, two dogs, a great career, was married, but there was something about that life that wasn't quite feeling right for her. It wasn't all adding up. Loretta decided to ditch that life. She got divorced. She sold off her house, put her career on hold, and started traveling Southeast Asia. And in the episode, we get into what made her leave, how did she know she had to leave, and the guiding forces behind that. Today, she's building a web-based business that is allowing her to continue traveling. But she's a trained, holistic psychotherapist, a yoga instructor, and has been doing a lot of writing on her own blog and for different mediums like Elephant Journal and Huffington Post. So without further ado, here is Loretta Gorman. Hello, Loretta. Thank you for joining me from Indonesia. How are you uh, doing there today?
1: I'm great over here. I'm doing really well. How are you?
0: I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. Thank you for taking the time to join me today on your last day there because you're off to Singapore. How long have you been in Indonesia for?
1: Uh, this time around, I've been here for a month. Uh, that's how much my visa would allow me to be here. Um, so I kind of have to leave tomorrow. <laughs> um, so I'm leaving for Singapore, hang out there, explore some other places in Asia, and then probably find my way back to Indonesia at some point later in the year.
0: They're kicking you out. They've had enough. You're like, "Lorita, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: they've had enough Lorita, for a month. <laughs>
0: amazing, amazing. Let's get into it. I always love starting my podcast by asking all my guests if your life was a book title, what would be the title of your book?
1: Mm, so that's actually a really great question. I love that question. Um, I would have to say, and so it is. So if you've, if anybody's read any of my posts or my blogs or anything, I always end it with and so it is. And for me, what that means um, is like cultivating a Sense of radical acceptance. So, for me, it's about you know we are going to get thrown so many obstacles and challenges in our life, and we get to decide we have the power of choice in terms of are we going to react or are we going to respond? And that's actually what matters most is our response to these difficult things. And so for me, it's always you know taking a breath. And and so it is, right? This is what's being presented to me, and I have to deal with it. And so it is, and so it is. And I, I often find myself just be in that state, you know, taking a couple moments to decompress if something's happened, especially on the road, um, traveling. And just, I find, me personally, in my own life, I found with the people that I work with, um, is that we get caught up and cause more pain and suffering when we're constantly avoiding these things that we don't want to experience or deal with, right? So, and it makes sense. I mean, that's human nature, right? So, something unpleasant happens in our world or in our day, and we want to just push that stuff away right and it's like this beach ball that we have that we're trying to push under the water in the ocean and then you're fighting with it you're struggling with it and it's not going anywhere and then it splashes up and makes this big scene so um i'm I'm all about really just cultivating acceptance to what is whether it's good or bad but just accepting for what's happening in the moment and then responding kind of accordingly so i feel like through my travels and through my life experiences it's been a big learning curve for me and so my book would be and so it is
0: (laughs) And so it is. I love it. It's great.
1: so it is.
0: (laughs) Would you almost say that's a mindset of acceptance? And so it is. It almost sounds like you just accept things as they are, as opposed to fighting them the way they are.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I found like throughout different life experiences and, and being on the road, you know, the more I was fighting with these things that were presenting themselves, it was only causing me more suffering and pain and I wasn't getting anywhere and I really had to switch gears in my mind about okay this is what's happening I have to deal with it I don't have a choice I can't control what just happened I can't change what just happened all I can do is how do I move forward with the cards that are laid in front of me and so it is and I just choose you know I have the power of choice we all have the power of choice right how are we gonna what's our next chess move on the board right um so that's the power that we all actually have which is amazing because essentially these things happen out of our control, but we have all the control on how we respond or react. So,
0: for people that don't know who you are, who is Lorita Gorman for the audience in like <laughs> 60 seconds?
1: <laughs> so I am a holistic therapist, uh, yoga teacher, writer, speaker, mental health advocate, glo- globetrotter, global retreat leader. I'm a bunch of things. <laughs> I'm not just one thing. So I kind of um, they're all pretty much come down to the same kind of essence and theme, but I. would Wear a few different hats to to serve to serve humanity in different ways and forms.
0: Yeah, when you sent me your description, you use the word storyteller. I'm like, this is amazing. I have a young Brene Brown on my podcast because I know people always describe <laughs> her as a storyteller, and she talks about Aww. how she lost her shit when somebody first describes a story. She's like, I'm not a storyteller. It's like I'm a researcher, yeah. right? And she's just yeah. like, because like she has all these credentials, and she's like, nobody wants to be labeled a storyteller because it sounds like so like wishy washy. <laughs> but I think she's really come around to it and accept herself as a storyteller because she's an amazing storyteller.
1: Yeah. And I actually didn't really identify myself as such until probably within the last year, I would say um, from my writing and sharing my writing and and the stories that have happened to me personally in my life or things that have happened to me while traveling and, you know, people's responses um, to my stories. And eventually I realized, I guess, I guess I am kind of a storyteller. You know, I, I articulate things in a certain way and try to, you know, get people to really feel the essence of a situation that happened and oftentimes they feel like they were kind of right there with me as I experienced something which is kind of really cool that people can feel the emotion of something, a situation that happened when I'm across the world so it's pretty neat.
0: (laughs) Talk a bit about that, talk about your storytelling because you're traveling the world right now and you're using your writing as a way to educate people and move people in ways that transform them personally and you're trying to heal people. Mm -hmm. Talk a bit about that aspect of yourself.
1: So uh, do you want me – I mean, I, I have a story about how I got on the road, but I think that that might come a little bit later in our podcast. No, talk more about,
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, what you're doing and kind of, you know, how you're using yeah. your – you have I, a couple of stories I read before this, right, where, you know, you got stranded as a taxi ride, and then there's the one <laughs> of you and then your skin. And, like, so you're using these experiences as mm-hmm. you – are traveling, and so maybe talk a bit about how you're using the experiences that come up as teaching points Mm. for your audience. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to living life on the road, literally living out of a backpack um, and having a new bed every few nights, um, new surroundings, new cities, new culture, new language, new everything, um, you're bound to have certain experiences, pleasant and unpleasant, (laughs) that come up naturally and, and so what I've been finding throughout my journey, uh, I've been on the road since November, um, since leaving Canada. And I've had a plethora of experiences happen and come my way, both beautiful and moving and touching experiences and also really challenging and terrifying experience as well. And what I've found that through my use of storytelling and writing is I share these experiences and I usually do the writing um it usually happens inconveniently when I'm inspired to write. It's never when I pull out my laptop and I'm in a nice cafe and I can have the time. It's usually on a rickety-bumpety bus ride or literally last night I was sitting on a stoop of a convenience store in the dark and I was inspired and I knew that if I didn't write then and there, I'd lose my words and my story. So um, I, I found that through these experiences, there was always some kind of bigger lesson. And even though I'm on the road and not a lot of people can travel the way I'm traveling, The lessons are universal. They're not just to me as a solo female traveler, but the lessons can be applied to anybody in their life. So the lesson of trust, right? How do we trust ourselves? How do we trust others? The lesson I've learned about acceptance, right? So I take these unique stories that happen on the road and I transform them into something that everybody can relate to and apply to their own life in their own way or form.
0: One of the stories that I really like that you shared is when you were at a market where a healer approached you and he wanted to help you heal your skin, you drew a lot of very interesting conclusions from this story. Talk a bit about this story, share it with the audience that haven't read the post and I want to dive into some of the conclusions that you reached from the post.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it was a really impactful moment for me, actually. Um, so for those who haven't read it, growing up as a, as a little girl, I started to develop lots of freckles and moles all over my body, all over my skin,
0: and
1: and I was really self-conscious growing up for many, many, many years. Um, never felt like a girl. Felt dirty. Felt ugly. Felt gross. And I uh, was always comparing myself to my peers and my my friends who had this like porcelain mole-free skin, and I was always envious and jealous and always kind of wondered, you know, why me, why me, and it was so, so, so hard on myself, and so growing up as a teenager and my early adulthood, I did a lot of self-work in terms of loving the skin I'm in and learning to embrace and accept, um, you know, what God has given me, essentially, and um, so i had done a lot of work to come to a place of really owning the skin that I'm in, loving the skin that I'm in, And then so years go by and I'm at this conference and I'm there in a professional role, um, you know, hosting the booth of mine Um, and a healer, he he defined himself as a healer, had approached me and he asked me my age and uh, he told me that I was aging really quickly because it was evident because of the moles on my skin and he said that he could heal me. And I, my stomach just went into knots. I was humiliated. Uh, I was embarrassed. I didn't know what to say. And I literally, it was a really defining moment because all those insecurities and those negative thoughts I had of myself as a, as a little girl came flooding back, literally in a matter of like 10 seconds. And I had a choice to make. And it was like, almost like my defining moment where I literally stood up and like put my hand on my heart. And I said, that's actually one thing that I love about myself thank you but no thank you I don't need your services and he kept insisting saying oh you'll come back to see me years down the road you'll come and find me and I just was so assertive and saying no I love this about me and I wouldn't change it for anything in the world and it was such a moment where it actually I didn't realize until that moment actually how much work and how far I've actually come in that area of my life and it was then that I knew that I had done that inner work. I have gone through that process of coming to this place of radical self-love.
0: Amazing. Yeah, and when I read that story, I was like, this is so touching. It was just, yeah, like the way you stood up to him being like, you know what, this is a part of who I am, and you weren't going to let, like, his perception of you or mm-hmm. impact you is what it comes down to. You're you just like, no, this is like, I think we struggle with that so much as we don't accept ourselves and all our flaws, Right. And just being imperfect, because there's something to be said about just being blissful about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it was, it's so true. What you, you know, what you were saying about how we can take other people's opinions of us and literally adopt them as our own. And this was one moment where I was like, I'm not going to let this one interaction with this one human being of 30 seconds of my life unravel years and years and years of self-work that I've done to come to that place of loving myself and loving my body for the way it is and how I present it to the world. And it is who I am. You know, this is how people know me. And if I were to, if, if somebody gave me the option today, hey, Loretta, we can make all your moles go away right here, right now, I'll be gone forever. Today I can confidently say that I'd say no thank you because they actually are part of me. And, you know, they do tell a story. And I've had lots of moles removed for cancer risk reasons and I have scars all over my brain. and and I have scars for other reasons and it's 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 like a little roadmap of my experiences throughout my life and they remind me of certain periods of my life and they make me who I am and it's something that I'm I now love and I'm proud of
0: well they're a huge part of who you are right and you shouldn't let somebody else's perception impact you and I believe that's I know actually this is one of the points you made at the end of it's like No one else's opinions of you are fact, right? And it's true because Mm -hmm. we take people's opinions at face value and we let them have power over us as opposed to Mm -hmm. really understanding for ourselves what really is important to us and how we want to show up in the world. Because as long as we keep being indoctrinated by other people's opinions, we never truly shine our own light
1: exactly exactly and I started when at the end of that day I was really reflecting about how it's so true we just take other people's opinion as you know authoritative over our own and we just literally hand over all of our own power to other people and that you know we see them as truth and that they're what they're saying must be true must be factual but says who you know says who like who just who decides that 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 person is correct and everybody has their own opinion and perception but what it comes down to is that there is no amount of external validation that will ever ever compare to the power of your internal validation of yourself there's nothing more powerful than that
0: what do you do to accept your imperfections it sounds like this is something that you know your skin and kind of the way you look and you know it's something you've battled with will be talked about when you were a little girl how you know you thought it affected your your beauty your femininity how have you really come to accept all these imperfections in your life
1: That's a really good question. Um, And it never was kind of a one day job. You know, I think it's just been over the years, just learning, like literally um, looking myself in the mirror and, and highlighting the things that I do like about myself, things that I do love about myself, and also being able to get to a place of, I never was one to accept compliments for people. And I think that most people actually struggle accepting compliments from others you know how many times do you hear somebody say if somebody says hey your hair looks great you're like oh yeah I uh, I need to have a shower or somebody compliments your outfit and you're like oh no but my shirt you know it doesn't look good right we're always rebutting it
0: (laughs) totally we don't let the the compliments land right we don't actually fully receive them it's like people say them and sometimes we just push them away because it's like our psyche doesn't even want to hear them we're just so ingrained that it's not that's not true it's like oh my hair looks like shit today and so we actually (laughs) push it away and don't ever let it sink in to accept our own beauty
1: yeah and to let it marinate let it resonate and own it and to say and so for me over the years I've really really made that a practice of if somebody gives me a compliment I genuinely genuinely say thank you and I don't try to challenge it I don't rebut it and so over the years I've done that and I think also our culture is geared towards if we accept a compliment then we become across as conceited and so we've somehow moved a compliment into being you know full of ourselves when really if somebody pays me a compliment i'm just genuinely saying thank you you know thank you for seeing me that in that life in that way and so now i just accept compliments and i notice when that inner critic comes in of trying to sneak in and want to rebut it and i just notice it i don't act on it but i simply notice when it shows up and i allow it to be there and then i choose what matters to me in that moment. And what matters to me is to really cultivate self-love and by accepting someone's compliment. So that has been an ongoing regular practice of mine. Um, And being able to, and by accepting these compliments that, you know, people would randomly give me, I then started to see myself through their eyes. And that was something that was also quite powerful and learning to really adopt that as well. Because people were seeing me in a way that I had never seen myself before.
0: Well, interesting I think right away up to when I went to Burning Man and the big thing that stands out to me about Burning Man was the radical self-acceptance and love that is there and it's unbelievable how much love I felt from other people and how much love I gave back to people and that's really what I feel makes that place so special is that you see people from a different point of view, people that are conventionally not beautiful yet you see a light in them you see an energy and so there's something about that space that really allows you to love people at a deeper level and that's really you know what in some ways made me realize that you know we can transform the world we live in because the reason people go back there each year now it's fifty thousand and now it's like a random draw to get tickets and it keeps growing every single year and it's across all the continents is because people want that feeling they're so desperate for what Burning Man offers And it's like we want to bring it back here, but there's so much media and bombardment and so many things in place in our society that prevent people from really connecting at that level. But when you're in the desert, there's nothing stopping you from doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's so true, you know, how we're all desperate. Like I like what you said there, you know, we're all desperate and craving this sense of acceptance, this sense of belonging, this sense of community where we can be seen as we are, how we are, and that that is perfectly okay. And there's no need to change it in any shape or form and that you can really truly be who you are and come home to that sense of yourself that's what coming home is and so for me you know traveling it's like people say do you miss you know do you miss home and sure there's things about Canada I miss but for me home is not four walls and a um, roof that I'm familiar with it's that essence inside of me so essentially I feel at home everywhere I go <laughs> in any country because it's about coming back to me
0: I really that, like and that. I've never
1: felt more myself than I do now.
0: So. Yeah, that's, you know, amazing that you can feel that way on the road because some people definitely don't feel that way. I am curious to know, you know, talk a bit about your earlier chapters. How did you end up on the road? What, you know, where did you start off and how did you get there?
1: So my earlier... Chapters in terms of what got me on the road more recently, or like earlier, earlier chapters.
0: (laughs) Well, let's dive into what (laughs) get you. I know there's a bunch, and so that's why I'm gonna let you kind of roll with it, and I'll kind of ask some questions to get back to it based on our last conversation. What uh, inspired you to, yeah, you know, be in Indonesia right now? To how did you get there? Like, why did you end up there? What certain events led to that point?
1: Okay, so I'll go back to um, 2011, um, because that was a really, really defined year for me in so many ways. So I've always had this sense of wanderlust, always. It's been in my my blood and my bones, um, You know, my family. I was very fortunate that my parents would take me and my brothers on boat trips and road trips and around the world. And so I've always had that sense of adventure. And and I always let fear hold me back. Always, it was always some excuse as to why I couldn't do it, or this fear of, of actually going and making it happen. And I was at work um, and at my desk, and I was on my lunch hour, just perusing Google and looking at yoga retreats. And I, and not with any intention of actually booking one, but more just kind of casually exploring. And I came across this one, and this this voice inside of me screamed at me, saying, "Go." Go, click the book button. You have to be there. And I came across a bunch, but it was this one in particular at this particular place at this particular time. And the thing is, is that it was leaving, in, it was starting in two days uh, from the day that I looked at it. And so within a matter of half an hour, I booked myself a flight to Costa Rica. And I walked down the street to the bank and wired a large sum of money to some guy in Bermuda who never gave me confirmation that he got the money. And I walked into my boss's office and I said, I'm going to Costa Rica on saturday and um i have to go i'll be back but i have to do this and there was i could have had a million people tell me i'm crazy this is you know nuts what am i doing i'm going by myself i've never traveled alone before but i had such a strong connection and intuition that nothing could swerve me nothing could sway me from not going and i was i was married at the time as well and i you know literally had told my husband at the time i'm going to costa rica i'm going on a 10-day yoga retreat And so I went and I had time to really tune inward, reflect away from my nine to five, uh, away from the hustle and bustle of mundane things I was doing all day, every day. (laughs) And I had time to really tune inward and move my body and be in a beautiful environment. And there was so much inner work and healing that happened in that retreat. And I also met one of my best friends who I'm still best friends with to this day. And I know why now I had to go to that one was to meet her. And I came home from that retreat. I came back to Canada and with Within a month I had ended my marriage and I set off on this whole new trajectory in my life of you know living on purpose following my heart following my dreams doing the work that I want to do and how I want to show up in the world and really listening and finally listening to that intuition that I've always had but I've pushed it away and so from then the following year I went to backpacking in Thailand and Indonesia and Bali as well I met up with that friend again who I met in Costa Rica we met up in Bali and then and so that trip was amazing but I always keep home you know yearning for more on my flight home I'm always thinking of the next flight I'm gonna get on the next country I'm gonna visit and then the following year I went to Cambodia and Thailand again and Vietnam and again came home realized I want to be on the road longer you know it's just not long enough and then you know continued to work and save my money and save my vacation time and then I had this one moment last year no sorry uh, summer of 2014 (coughs) I was sitting in my kitchen and again perusing Google like I always would looking at destinations And I always came up with excuses of fear, and I would look at all these other people living this, you know, nomadic life, and I always was really envious and thought they must have, you know, inherited a lot of money to make this happen, or they must have some kind of tricks with their sleeve. And then this one moment in my kitchen, looking at these destinations, I literally just had tears fill up my eyes, and I had a boyfriend at that time. He was asking me what was wrong, and I just said, there's no way I'm going to look back on my life as a nine-year-old woman, you know, regretting the things that I didn't do, that I loved. And it was that moment that energetically I made a decision that I'm doing this. I'm making this happen in however way I can. And so from that point on, from August 2014 till November 2015, I had basically a year. Every conversation, every action, everything that was happening in my life was geared towards making this dream a reality. And so I submitted a proposal to my work for sabbatical and I saved a lot of money. I worked my butt off. I worked three different jobs, and everything, every penny that I made went into the savings account to get myself on the road. And then by November 2015, I was on a flight to India, and that's where I started my journey. And now it's been seven months that I've been on the road, literally living the life I've always dreamed of and thought about. And I have to pinch myself sometimes when people remind me, I remember Loretta, you used to talk about this years ago, and you never thought that you would do it, you never thought you'd make it happen, and now, look, you're living it, you're in it, you're breathing it, and and I've never felt better. (laughs) I've never felt more myself, and I've never felt more happy, and I still pinch myself sometimes that this is real, but when there's a will, there's a way.
0: (laughs) There certainly is. You said a lot there, (laughs) and so I'm going to go back into little (laughs) bits and pieces, but that was amazing. Let's Okay, 2011, let's go and rewind before that even, like, so mm-hmm. at, in 2011 you were married, you were had, working nine to five, so I believe you went mm-hmm. to school for nine years, right, like you were married, mm-hmm. you owned a house, and so you had pretty much a very set up lifestyle, so talk a bit about, you know, I guess that initial trip to Costa Rica, where what? Like, why were you dissatisfied? Like, what were you searching for? Like, what made you, you know, like on paper, it's like married, house, mm-hmm. nine to five. Like, you've gone to school for nine years, and wh- what did you go to school for again? And what did you take over those nine years?
1: Yeah, I did a uh, a college diploma in social services, and then a bachelor and a master's of social work. And then I was working. My nine to five was in the field that I had gone to school for. So, like you said on paper, I had it all, and I actually when I was in the Philippines on the on a bus I actually wrote a poem about this very thing that you're speaking of you know on paper I had it all and you know had this paper planned life for myself you know got engaged got married got a house stable job <coughs> you know two dogs white picket fence sort of thing the only thing missing was kids and I think that that was something that was really a fear of mine because my husband at the time you know was was ready for that kind of thing and I wasn't um, and so I just found myself at that period of my life, there was something missing. There absolutely was something missing, but it it wasn't tangible to me. I didn't know what it was. That's the thing is that in that time, I couldn't have answered the question. I could say confidently, yes, something's missing in my life, but I didn't know what. I had no idea what. I just knew that I wasn't feeling inspired. I wasn't feeling motivated. I wasn't feeling energized, you know, and I wasn't waking up being excited about my day. I was just – I didn't feel – I was in my true essence of who I am and and what I'm here to do in the world. And so that retreat just like it literally jumped out of the screen at me and I had to get there. And it's then that I realized, you know, I had to make some really massive, difficult changes in my life. And by no means was it easy. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And my life did a complete 180 when I came home.
0: I can imagine so. And,
1: you know, there was some suffering, obviously. <coughs> Go on. What were you saying, though?
0: No, continue the train of thought because, yeah, I was going to say, I can only imagine so that, you know, like, yeah, making such a big choice and a big leap would have an impact. Especially on your marriage, right? You know, like, your husband probably would have been like, what is going on? Like, why are all of a sudden impulsively going to Costa Rica? Like, like what is driving mm-hmm. that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was very, very shocked, of course. Naturally, anybody would be. Uh, I, I was—I mean, I was shocked too. I didn't know what was going on, but I was feeling the pull of my heart, and there was something literally grabbing a hold of me and saying, "Go here. You need. You have some work to do, and you need to sort this out." And so, although it rocked my world and and his world and our families and everybody's world, you know, upside down, it was such a blessing in disguise. And you know, the way my life is now and the way his life is now, you know, they're both equally beautiful, and. and you know, he's happy and I'm happy. And it just, although it was so hard and difficult for both of us, um, it was a blessing in disguise and and it was was meant to happen. And I don't have any regrets by any means about, you know, being married or having that 9 to 5 or anything like that. It was all part of my process, of my journey. And had I not had those experiences, I don't know where I'd be today. And I think they're all really part of what's brought me to where I am now.
0: Would you say it was an intuition that was guiding you?
1: Oh, yeah, super, like, so strong, strongest that I've ever felt, <laughs> that inner knowing that nothing could, nobody could sway my decision. It was already made.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. I think there's something to be said about listing, I call it the emotional barometer, and I really resonate with that because I was offered a promotion in my old job <laughs> back in April in corporate world. and. Basically, they wanted to give me a pay raise and a better title, and I was living downtown Vancouver, right, in the metropolis, had a very good life on paper, was making about 65000 a year, which isn't a lot, but definitely enough to, you know, be living comfortably in a city in Canada, and I was going to get a pay raise and, you know, get higher commissions. And so it made sense to take the promotion, but as soon as it was offered to me, there was something in the pit of my stomach that said, you can't take this promotion. Like, you just have to, like, you have to say no like it just felt wrong on every single molecular level and it was a feeling that for I hadn't felt a long time and I wasn't exactly in the happiest place in my life and so it was just basically like logically I should have done it but emotionally it just felt like I can't take this so I said no to the promotion and within 24 hours let go of my job which eventually led me back to Newmarket and living with my parents which I feel has just been a blessing in disguise because I had been almost resisting coming here and, like, you know, regrouping and rezoning. Because I feel like part of my story will be I want to be traveling next year to like Indonesia and Australia, but I needed to come home and regroup and really focus on the podcast and give this all my energy and effort because it's not going to go where it needs to if I don't trust that intuition
1: absolutely and i'm such a believer in that i live by that i've been actually having conversations with people just today and yesterday who i've met um and everybody about this intuition because i share with them so often about my experiences not just about that retreat but just how i let my intuition guide me every single day every day i wake up especially being on the road i am using that inner compass that i have as a tool to guide me where i need to because it will never steer you wrong and you know that right we all know that it will never steer you wrong even if what it's telling you doesn't seem rational or doesn't seem like it makes sense. And But it's, there's a divine purpose and reason behind these little nudges, these whispers that were given on a day-to-day basis. And it might be something small or it might be something major. But either way, it's our responsibility to open up, be present, and pay attention to those nudges and to act on them. Because the, I can tell you, I act on them so often now that this just become you know, natural for me to, to follow them and I have so much trust in it because, I've been shown, I've been shown, and I've been given messages of confirmation of yes. You know, now I know why I made that decision. Now I know why I chose to go to this country instead of this country. Now I know why I had to walk up to that person in the street and have a conversation, right? So sometimes these decisions I make seem impulsive, but there's such divine purpose behind them. And it's usually in hindsight that I realize that. But it's that inner knowing, and it's a for some people they feel it viscerally in their body. So for me, I, I feel it literally in my heart and in my gut. And it's such a strong, strong, sturdy stance of yes. It's a, if it's not like 100% yes, then it's a no. But I, when I get that yes, I get that yes, even if it's irrational.
0: <laughs> On your website, you uh, it says you're a holistic uh, psychotherapist. And one of the things that you believe in our innate abilities to heal And resolve issues in our own lives and so you know this kind of touching what we're just talking about our intuition and it's like is it a hell yes or is it maybe so not so much how do you you know with your clients that you have how do you help them to realize innately that the gifts they have to heal themselves how do you facilitate that I guess what I'm trying to figure out because I feel like we we do have these abilities and these talents but we're not always in tune with them so how do you make people more awake to them
1: Mm, that's a great question. Um, so for me, first and foremost, it's about holding and creating space for my clients. And so oftentimes people are coming to you when they're in a really difficult point in their life, they're really struggling. And so for me, first and foremost, is creating a safe and sacred space where they are allowed to be authentically who they are and to open up and I can bear witness to their story. They're usually a story of pain and suffering, really you know, traumatic things at times. And literally just being able to hold space for them to share and for them to be heard, truly, truly be heard, is so healing on its own. And then from that, you know, they're the ones doing the work. I'm literally holding space. And so for me, I'm asking certain questions. I'm getting them to like dive in a little bit deeper to things. They might (laughs) rush through a story that they're trying to tell me, but then I'll slow things down and be like, hey, let's go back to that for a moment. Because for me, I can recognize that that might have been a pivotal moment in their life. And so they're rushing through telling me a story, but I want to kind of slow things down and like peel things back a little bit because there's a, a really, you know, significant nugget of information there or a lesson that they learned there that they're not maybe really recognizing for themselves. And so I try to get them to go back into their story and highlight, you know, the skills that they had to navigate such a difficult situation or, you know, what, it, what does that say about them? You know, that they went through all that and they came out on top in this way, right? So I get them to highlight their strengths, their abilities, so that throughout our time together they're starting to recognize these gifts that they have that they've had this whole time they just haven't been able to see them and so for me I I try to just open up their eyes to these things that are already innately within them and especially with their intuition you know asking them questions about that you know how does that feel you know if I present to them a certain option or choice that they have to make I was like where do you feel that in your body let's Get rid of the, the chatter in the mind. Let's connect to the body. Where do you feel that? And does that feel good? Does that resonate? Or does it not? And it's so they're coming up with their own solutions and answers. I'm literally just a guide. I'm like a sherpa <laughs> and like a tour guide. And I'm just kind of guiding them through the process. They're doing the hard work. I'm just kind of holding their hand and saying, hey, I'm with you every step of the way. And you got this.
0: Is there one specific technique that you use that maybe you could share with the audience? Or is it really just you're asking questions and facilitating almost a journey.
1: Yeah, it's, it really is a journey, and I can't, there's not one technique that I use, because I, I have a massive toolbox of things that I use, so, you know, I'm a trained social worker, I, I'm trained, you know, to work with mental health, um, but I also have this holistic side where I'm a trained yoga teacher and energy, uh, Reiki master, and I have training in NLP, and timeline therapy and so all these different modalities and also using my spirituality um as a tool as well and so it really isn't just one thing and also um trauma sensitive yoga as well which is using the body and coming back to acceptance and commitment therapy which is more traditional talk therapy so i literally fuse everything kind of all together but it really is dependent on who's in front of me because one client's journey is so vastly different from the next, and so it's again, it's my intuition guiding the process in session. So I'll just kind of intuitively feel energetically, okay, we got to do some body work today, or oh, okay, we're gonna do some writing exercises today. That's your homework, maybe. Um, today we're gonna just, you know, focus on values, right? So it's it's really just depends on what's happening in the context, and I just I use this massive toolbox that I have, and I pull, you know, if I need the hammer, I pull the hammer if I need the screwdriver I pull the screwdriver it just really depends on what's happening in the moment so for me it's about being really really present um, with what's happening in the here and the now
0: I read how you use like yoga breathing techniques on your website stress and anxiety are like two very common things that people go through and I feel like you could be in the office and I definitely felt this when I was in corporate finance where there's days where you're just like really stressed out or worked out and I would be really conscious about going out for a walk and really trying to like create some space when I was really peaking in my anxiety or my stress. Is there one breathing technique you could recommend for somebody that is, you know, in a heightened Mm
1: -hmm. level of
0: stress or anxiety?
1: Yeah, we call that in the yoga world, we call that alternate nostril breathing. So um, you can literally you know pull it up on YouTube or it's called alternate and you take you know one hand and alternate nostril breathing okay and so you'll take your thumb and your ring finger out and the rest of the fingers are curled in to your palm and you'll cover your nostril your one nostril with your thumb and you'll breathe in through the other nostril And then you'll cover that alternate nostril and breathe out to the other one. And so it's this rhythmic pattern between one nostril and the other, in and out. And you can get YouTube examples of how to do it if you visually see a YouTube video. It, It literally activates the parasympathetic nervous system almost immediately and brings you right back down and grounds you so, so, so fast. And I use this technique often, you know, if I'm in a heightened state. I use it with clients all the time. I just used it with a client last week, in fact. And... She was practicing it throughout her week and she couldn't believe how quickly it just grounded her, recentered her, and she was able to focus and, you know, make a, a decision from a wise mind instead of an emotion mind. So it's quite powerful.
0: I will definitely find a youtube video of that. Demonstrates that, and I'll put it into the notes as well. And that way, people can actually just click if they go to my website, they can definitely watch it just straight on the website, or just even from the show, copy and paste it and do that. So, because that sounds amazing, and I feel like that's I'm getting more and more into breathing and like diving into Wim Hof. And so, I would definitely just even for my own personal curiosity, I want to uh, look into that. Okay, we are, yeah,
1: absolutely, and it's so tangible,
0: right? Um. I don't mean to cut you off but we are running out of time and there's still so many questions I want to ask. Um, so sure. last few, let's go rapid fire here a little bit to uh, wrap up here. Uh, you mentioned a little while back ago how you don't need a lot of money to travel and this is something that is a big misconception I think and Tim Ferriss always talks about this in The Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy where you know if you read the book you don't need a lot of money to travel. How have you been able to overcome that to travel on a cheap budget? What's your secret there?
1: Mm. Well, lots of research before I went on the road. <laughs> first and foremost, um, and coming up with you know different creative ways. So, for example, uh, you know I'll look up cheap hostels to stay in, and you can find hostels depending on the country, but you can find a, a decent hostel for like five bucks a night. Um, but also being creative with how to save money or how to make money on the road. So I've been making money through seeing clients online, so being a digital nomad basically, um, and also pitching to certain organizations or tour companies or hostels, so I'm offering, you know, what is it that I have that I can offer somebody in, you know, lieu of accommodation. So, for example, in Singapore, I'm offering yoga classes to all the travelers of the hostel, and they're giving me a free bed to sleep in for the week um, by me offering, you know, the skill sets that I come with. So getting really, really creative and thinking outside the box Um and food, well, that's that's something that I spend a little bit more money on just because I like to really eat really healthy. But, you know, going to local supermarkets and, and buying the cheap produce and making your own food. So oftentimes when I'm in a country traveling, I'll rent an apartment as opposed to staying in a hostel because then I have a kitchen. So instead of eating out at restaurants all the time, which obviously ups your price, um, but really just cooking for yourself as if you would at home, uh, which is always cheaper anyways, um, couch- Surfing, which is something you know, if you know somebody in a country, you know, asking them to just crash on the couch. I've hitchhiked, hitchhiked a bunch of times now. This is all dependent on how you know safe people feel. Again, I use my intuition, I won't get in the car with anybody, but I use my intuition to guide me, and so far, so good. <laughs> um, and really, just getting creative, you know, people who are skilled in terms of you know, computer skills and IT skills, I mean, they've got it made because they can work from the beach and make logos and like make websites and stuff like that so it's really just thinking outside the box and getting creative people use air like credit cards for for like airline points to get their flights covered and so there's so many options and there's so many ways to work on the road as well you know there's different websites like workaway.com where you can find a place to work you know maybe work on a farm and they give you food and accommodation uh, for the month right so there's so many different options out there it's just a matter of Getting on the computer and exploring them and doing your work.
0: Lots of good suggestions there. That was amazing. For your next chapter, this podcast is called Your Next Chapter. You're obviously on the road, but mm-hmm. what does that look like for you?
1: Oh, my next chapter. Um, so, my current chapter is I've kind of called it Finding Freedom. Um, I've felt so much freedom in, in being on the road, freedom in myself, freedom with my lifestyle, freedom of letting go of attachment. And, and, and outcomes. And so my next chapter, I'm so excited about, I don't, the thing is, is that I don't know, you know, I don't know where I'm headed. And the road is literally just guiding me and my heart is guiding me. But I do know that I've done a lot of inner work through all my old chapters. And so now I'm at a place where I'm ready to show up in the world and I'm ready to do the work that I was born here to do. I'm ready to step up and make an equal impact. So my whole next chapter is about really facilitating that and taking my visions that I've had for projects that I have and making them come to life and and becoming the social entrepreneur that I am striving for and to make change in these communities that I am traveling through and creating resources and inspiring the masses uh, with a message and getting people to really own their story because every story is worth hearing and is a gift. So my next chapter I'm so excited about um, because I just feel more myself than i ever have and i and i'm ready i'm ready to just kind of step up and do the work that lights me up and create change on the road
0: amazing thank you so much for your time taylor i really appreciate it and, and really enjoyed chatting with you
1: thanks so much for having me on phil i really really, really uh, appreciate it and your podcast is, is awesome and i'm so excited to see you stepping up and, and doing this as well
0: thank you we'll have to do another one when you're back and you've realized new things and written more and help more people so we'll do a 2.0 at some point down the road
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah that's awesome sounds
0: great okay great thank you lorita well there you have it ladies and gentlemen my conversation with lorita gorman i forgot to ask lorita at the end about her website and her social media i typically ask all my guests about that, and I totally forgot to. So you can find Loretta at loretagorman.com. I will also have her social media accounts linked out in the notes. She posts some great stuff on Instagram from traveling around to all the fun places she's going to. So definitely worth checking out. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really dived into intuition on this episode. We talked about how Loretta really upgraded her life based on just one trip booking that trip to Costa Rica and from there it spiraled this effect of wanting to travel more and then it was a short trip to Thailand and then a shorter trip to Cambodia and Laos and from there it just kept going and moving forward and so it goes to show when we follow our intuition where it can lead us and it really was a beautiful story Thank you, Loretta, for being on the podcast, and thank you everyone for listening. If you did enjoy this, the one thing that I ask is that you share the podcast with somebody else who may need to listen to it. You can also jump onto my email list at philipserpinsky.com and get the latest episode sent directly to you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you a guest on the show next time.